0: Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, come on, let's just minister to the Lord some more. We're not done. We're not done. Let's just keep ministering to the Lord. Every eye closed, every hand raised. Every eye closed, every hand raised. Come on, let's enter in. Let's enter in. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. His gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Not a single eye open, every hand raised. Come on. This is why we gather. This is why we come together. This is why we gather. This is why we come together. We come together for the King, and he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. Come on, every hand lifted, every eye closed. Loving Jesus. Loving Jesus. Loving Jesus. Love Him. Come on, love Him. Love Him. Love Him. Love Him. Give Him the praise He deserves. 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 If you need to get up and walk around, get up and walk around. If you want to stay seated, that's fine. But Holy Spirit is moving in this room. He's present in this place. And He longs to encounter you longs to encounter you. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He's not done. He's not done. Just minister to the Lord. Minister to the Lord. Yeah, keep lifting your voice. Keep lifting your voice. Keep lifting your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on. We serve a Father who doesn't get tired of hearing you say, I love you. Serve a God that's not tired of hearing you say, I love him. Come on, give it to him, give it to him. All to Jesus, all to Jesus, all to Jesus. All to Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Love him, love him, love him. Love him, love him, love him. (laughs) You're beautiful, you're beautiful, You're you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy. Bible and my iPad. Jesus, we honor you. We honor you. We love you. Oh Jesus, we love you. Oh Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, just let him wash over you. Let him wash over you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, we see this through the Bible many times to where we'll, we'll pray and ask God, something in particular and then he gives it to us whether that be a vision whether that be a dream whether that be a a, a physical thing Um, but it's important that when we receive those things from the Lord we have to allow those things to die so that it can be resurrected like he intended and what what do I mean by that? those objects that we receive they need to die to us What do I mean by that? Abraham, he receives Isaac. And right after the Lord gives Abraham Isaac, the Lord looks at Abraham and says, give him back. Because what was the Lord saying? God was saying, I will not share Isaac's heart with Abraham. He said, I will have all of Abraham's heart and I will have all of Isaac's heart. And so it wasn't until Abraham tied up Isaac on the altar and was about to sacrifice him, that he realized and God saw Isaac has no hold on you, meaning you value my word over the blessing that I've put on your life, and so I believe that there's things in our lives this morning that God has given us things, he's given us dreams and desires and passions. But until you've died to those dreams, desires and passions and allowed him to take it back, that lets him know that he can trust you with it whenever it gets big. And I feel like we've had, part, we have, we've had parts of the church that have believed God for mighty, massive movements. And they've believed God for people coming in. And God has blessed them with people coming to hearing the word but it almost seems that some people are more passionate about souls than they are the person who saves souls. And that's where we need to be. Jesus says, you never forget where the blessings come from. He said, the blessings are good, but they're not me. You have me and then you have my blessings that I give to you. And so what God's wanting us to know this morning is that he's given us desires, he's given us dreams and he's given us passions but he wants to know that that dream, desire, and passion doesn't have a hold on you stronger than his hold on you. So Father, we just enter into your presence. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome in this place to move, to flow, to have your way, to do what you want to do. We're not in a rush. We're not in a rush. Holy Spirit, if you have something, I don't even need to speak. like this. And you're not in a you you're 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 not in a rush. But you're you're actually steadfast and just waiting on him. And it's not the fact that Rebecca's playing that makes us sound holy. But there is power in music. There is power in music. So yeah, just as we continue in this place just if, he, if you're being ministered to by Holy Spirit, continue being ministered by Holy Spirit. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to what I'm doing. If he's doing something in you, you need to engage in Holy Spirit and listen to what he's, what he's doing in you right now. But for the rest of you, if you're not feeling anything, I believe that maybe this word is for you. So we're just gonna continue to move forward. Um, Chris, you can bring up the house lights a little bit. Said the other day that um we're not coming to church. Well, yeah, we're not coming to Jesus so that we can have a move of God. You say we, we hear that a lot in church circles. Well, we're desperate for a move of God. We're desperate for a move of God. And they come and they and, and it's almost like they pursue Jesus because they know that if they pursue him enough, that he'll move on their behalf, which is true. But the fact of the matter is, it's not about getting a move of God. It's about understanding that Jesus himself is a move of God. Jesus is a move of God. We need to bring this back to the simplicity, simplicity of just Jesus. If you walked in this morning and you figured, boy, I wonder if I'm gonna hear about Jesus. Yes, you are. This is Jesus' house before it's Vision's house. Vision was birthed out of a love for Jesus and that's what we long to do. And it, 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 all, it all comes from this place too, we have to experience Jesus as all. Jesus is everything. So how do we experience Jesus as all? We experience Jesus as all when we have become nothing. You can only experience Jesus as everything when you have absolutely nothing. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to prove. I just have him and that's all I'm holding on to is him and him alone. See, if I try to hold on to certain things that I think make me more of a man, at the same time trying to grab hold of Jesus, I'm not getting all of him. I'm only getting part of him, but he says, If you want all of me, you have to have none of you. We've heard this priest many times that I die. The moment I said yes to Jesus, I died. And the old me is gone forever. Has no standing, has no voice, has no uh, reputation. I'm brand new. That's what Jesus said when he spoke to Nicodemus. He said, you must be born again. You must be born again. This is about our souls here. You must be born again. If there is anything that is clawing at you and it's not Jesus, then that means there's nothing that I have to do with that than just him. It's just him. It's just him. All the time. All the time. I was listening to a message yesterday by Michael Kulianos, and he had made this uh, he, he had said this, and I loved it so much. He said, we miss God because we are looking for direction, but he is looking for affection. We're so busy pursuing Jesus. We're asking Jesus, what is it you want me to do next? Where do I need to go? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to build myself up with? What do I need to do these things? And the whole time Jesus is standing there saying, where do you need to be? With me. Who do you need to be talking to? Me. Where do you need to be going? Towards my presence. My presence what do you need to be doing while you're there? Just dwell. Just dwell. I'm not trying to get complicated this morning. I'm not trying to get um, all fancy. I'm not trying to get up to make you hoop and holler and say, amen, that was a good message. I'm here to show you how to love him deeper. How to love him deeper. That's why we're here, isn't it? We're here because we want to love him deeper. But how can you love someone that you don't know? How can you love someone that you don't know? Do you realize that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father in heaven and he has chosen by himself to keep the scars on his hands and on his feet and in his side and on his back just for us? You see, when he rose from the dead and he revealed himself to his disciples, he had a brand new heavenly body, but he still had the scars. Jesus, of all people, could have completely renewed and refreshed everything. Brand new hands, brand new feet, brand new side, brand new back. But no, he still has holes in his hands. Why? Because, what was it, Thomas said, I'll only believe until I put my hand in his side and I feel the holes in his hands. And Jesus showed up and said, hey, y'all, boy, go for it. He kept those scars. Why did he keep those scars? So that every time we look at him, we would not just see a man. But that when we look at him, we would see the lamb. The spotless lamb. With every stripe on his back, what? We are healed. With the nails in his hands, we are set free. With the piercing in his side, we were birthed. You see, just like Adam, Jesus was known as the second Adam. And so what happened with the first Adam? God said, it's not good that man should be alone. So he put Adam to sleep in a deep sleep. God reached in, took one of his ribs and made woman. His bride was birthed that day. Jesus on the cross. And they wanted to make sure that every man was dead on the cross. And they got to Jesus and they were like, here, take this spear and make sure he's dead. And they pierced his side and out of his side came blood and water rushing. In that moment, out of his side, birthed his bride. We are the bride of Christ. This whole thing is about a purification process because every day we are walking down the aisle. How many of you are married in here? Come on, do it proudly. Come on, like, I'm married. Yeah, let's go. You're married. When that door opened and you saw your husband or your wife standing, well, it would have been your wives, you would have seen your husband standing at the altar. Every step you took, I'm sure it was surreal, wasn't it? You're like, I'm about to give myself completely to this person, and they're about to give their life completely to me. Man, what, what, Amazing expectation, what amazing joy, and I'm sure maybe a little bit of nervousness by what was lying in in front of you, but you didn't stop. Every day we are taking a step on the runway closer to our groom who's standing at the altar, and Jesus is saying, I will not marry someone who is not like me. When you got married to that person, you knew who you were going in with. You knew their heart, you knew how they thought, you knew what got them to laugh, you knew what foods they like, you know who they are. And Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, I'm not gonna marry someone. I'm not going to commit myself to someone who is not like me. This is about the purification of the bride. What are we doing every day to purify ourselves? How do you purify yourselves? You know Jesus more because what, what have we said in the past? When you look at him in his eyes, his eyes like fire, it burns off everything in you that is not of him. It's a refining process. And so I went through and I saw this, this ancient early church prayer from the first century, and I want to read it to you. And as I read it, I just want you to just picture him, just picture him. As I read this, and then we're gonna go on and talk just about a couple more things. Today, he who hung the earth upon the waters is hung on a tree. The king of angels is decked with a crown of thorns. And he who wraps the heavens in clouds is wrapped in the purple robe of mockery. He who freed Adam in the Jordan is slapped in the face. The bridegroom of the church is affixed to the cross with nails. The son of the virgin is pierced by a spear. We worship your passion, O Christ. Show us also your glorious resurrection. And he who clothed himself with light as with a garment stood naked for trial. He was struck on the cheek by hands that he formed. A people that transgressed the law nailed the Lord of glory to the cross and then the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The sun was darkened, unable to bear the sight of God, outraged, before whom all things tremble, let us worship him, this Jesus. Before whom all things tremble, let us worship this Jesus. Worship is not an industry. Worship is not a genre. Worship is a lifestyle of coming before him. It doesn't matter how many number one hits you have on Christian radio. Some days I wish we didn't even have Christian radio, but then I realized that it's actually a good thing. <laughs> when we go through our set lists every week and we and, and we choose to sing the songs that we sing, it's because we have one motive and it's to touch his heart to move his heart, to please him, to minister to him. You will not hear us singing songs about how I'm doing or how I'm feeling or how I hope things are gonna turn out good because his faithfulness never ends. You're gonna hear us singing only one type of song and they are songs that are from him unto him. They have to be from him and unto him. What were we singing this morning? Praises the highway to the throne of God, to the heart of God, to a move of God, which is Jesus. We sing, there is a name, Jesus, enthroned upon the praises of our hearts. We sing, you reign above it all. He reigns above it all. And let it reign. Why do we sing these songs? We don't just sing these songs because, oh, I was live streaming something the other day and I heard them do this version and I think it'd be really cool if we did it. No, it's Holy Spirit. What do we need to be confessing? Because you are dancing around the throne of God every day and you are looking at Jesus. That's Holy Spirit's life goal is to look at Jesus and then to look at us and say, here's what I see. Here's the Jesus that I see. See it more clearly. See it more clearly. We serve a king. We serve the God-man, a Jesus who is beautiful. In Revelation, Jesus repainted a beautiful picture of who he is, and I'm just going to go through and read a few of the things. Just to give you a picture, if there's one thing you walk away with this morning, it's I know who Jesus is a little bit more. We need to walk away knowing who is Jesus a little bit more. Nothing matters without Jesus. I know we say that a lot, and you're never gonna hear us stop saying it. Nothing matters without Jesus. There is no entertainment, there is no uh, fulfillment, there is no relationship, there is nothing outside of Jesus. I was sitting on my couch in my living room yesterday and I was watching, sadly, my Seattle Seahawks getting eliminated from the playoffs. Jesus, I'm still recovering from that. But as I'm watching this, all of a sudden, in the very core of my being, I felt this, this, ah, like this. I, I don't really know how to describe it fully, but I felt this longing and this, this this burden in my spirit. And then immediately I heard Jesus speak to me and say, I want you to come and spend time with me. See, when you spend time with Jesus enough, it will begin to affect your physical state. You'll begin to feel things. You'll begin to have a, a, a peak awareness of who He is, what He's saying, how He works, how He moves. It's not a bad thing. Oh, it's so exciting because you're seeing the world how He sees the world. And so I went into my room and I just sat and I put on some worship music and I just sat at His feet and I was like, I'm here. I'm here. And I just loved on him and worshiped him for like six hours. And I'm not saying this to brag on me, but I'm saying this to brag on him that he wants us. And maybe you don't have six hours to give. Give him 30 minutes. Give him two hours. It's a Sunday. Who's got much going on on a Sunday after church? What if instead of going out to eat, instead you just went and you made some food and you went in your secret place and you sat with him. He loves to eat with you. And so as I just sat there in his presence, I sat there and I realized that he was touching my heart and molding my heart in a way that I'd never felt before and I didn't want to leave. And I was starting to think, Lord, what do you want me to bring this morning? What do you want me to speak this morning? And he said, you know what to speak. Give them my son. He's all that matters. And I was like, okay, Jesus, but what else do you have? And he's like, there is nothing else. There is no Jesus and. There is no Jesus and here's how to live a successful life. There is no Jesus, and here are three points to walking out grace successfully. I'm just not a points guy, but my dad is, and he crushes it. But that severely impacted the way that I slept last night, the way that I, the way that I woke up this morning. It impacted it because I went to bed with my king and I woke up and he was like, hey. And I was like, oh, there you are. And then I rode into church with him this morning and I worshiped right next to him. And he was like, this is awesome. And after this, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna take a nap with him. (laughs) He wants us to be like this. But what are the songs that we're singing to him? How are we touching his heart? How are we moving him? I wanna go through Revelation. And first I just wanna go through and read before each letter to the church, there's seven churches and seven letters and there's seven distinct things that were told about Jesus before each letter. And I wanna go through and I wanna read each one of those. This is the King we serve. This is the Jesus who's alive today. I'm just gonna kinda go through it a little fast, so... Try and keep up if you're following along. Revelation 2, 1. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Chapter 2, verse 8. For these are the words of the one who is the beginning and the end, the one who became a corpse but came back to life. This is chapter 2, verse 12. For these are the words of the one whose words pierce the hearts of men. Chapter 2, verse 18, for these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished brass. Chapter 3, verse 7, for these are the solemn words of David's key who opens doors that none can shut and who closes doors that none can open. I missed one. 3, verse 1, for these are the words of the one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And lastly, Revelation 3, verse 14, for these are the words of the amen. The faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation the ruler of God's creation worthy is the lamb when we say that does it hit different when you say Jesus is beautiful do you see his beauty or are you just saying it how many times have you gone to a church service and you walk out and it's like man what did you think of service oh man it was so good it's like well what was so good I uh, all of it it was just so good it's like no what about that service was good come on there's only one thing that's good what's his name no what's his name there's only one thing that's good and his name is Jesus and that's what we're seeing here we don't just walk into a service walk out and be like man that was that was good it's like we walk out and instead it's like I saw Jesus I saw him and you wouldn't believe what happened. My goodness, Scott prayed for Steve and miracles happened and we saw saw people get set free. We saw kids. I'm believing God right now for kids that are gonna receive prophetic words of wisdom that are gonna speak over people that are generations ahead of them. Come on, I'm believing for it. I'm believing for it. But now how do they worship in heaven? We know how we worship down here. We've seen it. We've seen the YouTube videos. We've seen the woo. We've seen the the whole thing. We know how we worship down here. But how do they worship up there? What songs do they sing up there? Well, luckily for us in Revelation, we get a little bit of a taste. I'm just going to read. This is what it's about. Revelation 4. In chapter six, I'm just going to start reading. Around the throne on each side stood four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature resembled a lion, the second an ox, the third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of the four living creatures had six wings full of eyes all around and under their wings. They worshiped without ceasing day and night, singing. They worshiped without ceasing, day and night, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty, the was, the is, and the coming. 24 hours a day. If you can quantify this in time, (laughs) because they're outside of time, but... The only way I know how to quantify this is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. The only thing that these four living creatures are doing is sitting around the throne crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And earlier in that same chapter, it talks about these 24 thrones and seated upon these 24 thrones are 24 elders that are clothed with white garments and that wear crowns of victory. And they surround his throne as well. So the creatures are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the was, the is, and the coming, verse nine. And whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks, that should be how we live our lives. And that's what we should be giving him glory, honor, and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever and ever. Verse 10: The 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne, and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrendered their crowns. In ways we could think about it, they surrendered their accomplishments. They surrendered their their, their dignity. They surrendered their reputation they surrendered everything that they thought was good enough to bring them before him they threw their crowns of victory at his feet and it says right here in verse 11 that they surrendered their crowns before the throne singing there's more singing I'm telling you it's everywhere they're singing in verse 11 chapter chapter 4 verse 11 you are worthy our Lord and God to receive glory honor and power for you created all things and by your plan. They were created and exist And then we've got another another moment in chapter 5 <laughs> After the lamb takes the scroll The scroll that no one thought could be opened and John started to weep and cry because he said who's gonna open the scroll? and then an angel came and tapped him on the shoulder and said the lamb is coming and Jesus the perfect beautiful magnificent lamb comes and he takes the scroll and as he takes the scroll I can imagine if God were to wiggle his big toe all of heaven would fall down on their face and be like oh God you know and just like worship him and so Jesus takes the scroll and it says in chapter 5 verse 8 and when the 24 elders and the four living creatures saw the lamb had taken the scroll they fell face down at the feet of the lamb and worshipped him And they were all singing in verse 9, and they were all singing this new song of praise to the Lamb. A new song. And what were they singing? Because you were slaughtered for us, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You purchased us to bring us to God. Out of every tribe, language, people group, and nation, you have chosen us to serve our God and formed us into a kingdom of priests who reign on the earth. If you're listening to this and you're like, this is just a lot, that's why we record this and you can go back and listen to it again. This is about understanding that there's no place. You cannot have a social status. You cannot have a job that takes too much of your time. You cannot have anything that singles you out and says, oh yeah, you don't have to worship him like those other crazy people. Those other people just worship him because they really need something from God. Don't always associate passion with need understand that I could totally be on the, on the floor bawling my eyes out and it's not because I'm in a hard place in life. Maybe it's just because he's beautiful and he hits me in a way that he didn't used to last year and now I know him differently I know him and I see him more clearly and it's just his beauty and now I can't help but fall on my knees and just sit there just cause that's been my that's been my thing for 2021. for Jesus just cause. Why are you loving him so much? Just because. When you get used to coming before him without a reason at all, kind of felt like a princess there. It's like when you come before him for no reason at all, but just to be with him, just to be with him, you'll see him in a different way. He longs for us to come before him and just see him the way he's meant to be seen, which is not as a taskmaster, which is not as, a, as, as, a, as we're not servants coming before him, we are sons and daughters. And he says that I am not like a master of servants to where I withhold things from my servants. He said, I'm a father of sons and daughters who I desperately desire to share the intimate things of my heart with. And according to the world, this is not how to build a church. You hear what I'm saying? According to the world, how do you build a church? What's your strategy? How do you get what dad said last week? How do you get butts in the seats? Because if we here in America, in the Western church, specifically, if we take butts in the seats as success and numbers as success, then just like a great man of God said, then Calvary was a failure. If if attendance is success, then Calvary was a failure. Because I guarantee you, the crowds that Jesus spoke to did not even show up at Calvary when he was nailed to a cross. And notice that in each one of the seven churches in Revelation, when Jesus is speaking to each one of the churches, he doesn't say a thing about how big they were or how small they were. He only focused on what did you do? What I give you, what did you do with the gospel? We've come to find out about God that he's not gonna send the sick if you don't preach healing. He's not gonna send the lost if you don't share the gospel. He's not going to send people that need to know how to be prosperous if you are not prospering as your soul prospers. How can he trust you with that? And then instead of coming into a room And immediately seeing people get healed of leukemia and people immediately getting healed of of herniated discs in their backs. And instead of immediately seeing people have migraines that have plagued them for 10 years go away in an instant. Instead, we have churches that are filled with people that are hurting, that are lost, that are wondering if it's God's will. But in the name of relevancy, they're attending because the worship is lit. We've got a lot of people that are coming. And I've got my crew that I hang out with every Sunday after church. It's not about your crew. I refuse to have a crew that takes more of my time and attention than Jesus. Crews aren't bad. Having friends aren't bad. But it is a little upsetting, I'm sure, to him when we put precedent over, well, I just want to connect with my friends and they go to this church and I don't really see Jesus there and I don't really get fed there, but I'm going because my friends, that's just something I can connect with them on. Give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. We don't need churches that are just making noise. We don't need churches that are just giving us things. We don't need things. Take it from the richest man in the world. Take it from Solomon. Solomon the guy who had everything he could have ever asked for, everything he could have ever dreamed of. And he said later on, he said, all is vanity without him. This guy had more wives than you could shake a stick at. I could imagine physically he was doing great. I mean, can we be honest here? But in the end he said, all is vanity because in the midst of all of that he caved to what he had and didn't say in the midst of what I have there's one thing that is still standing and it's my king it's my god and he's crying that out to us today you see Jesus he flipped tables for love what would you be willing to do for him we come in and we and we and, and we stand there you see sometimes Excuse me. Sometimes when, when dad comes up and he says, hey, let's all stand. Let's all put our hands in the air. What he's doing is he's not trying to get you to wake up. He's saying that because he understands the king's in the room. And at this point, we need to stand to honor the king. There's a time to stand. There's a time to sit. There's a time to scream out the praises and the glory of his name. And there's a time to sit and stand in awe of his wonder see we don't just do things because we grew up in church and it's what we're used to seeing it's what we're used to hearing we do these in church because they actually mean something because we understand if heaven does it we're doing it I'm desiring that we would have not just a platform worship is not just meant for this space this very compact space it's only compact because of Spencer he won't stop working out Worship is meant for the room. It's more important what happens down there than what happens up here. Because Jesus is not just gonna come and be like, well, I'm gonna hit you first because you're closer, and then I'm gonna hit these people. He's not a pinball. He's a tsunami. He rushes in and says, you better be ready because I'm gonna hit, and when I do, only those that have spent time with me are gonna recognize it when it comes. You can only recognize Jesus when you've spent time with him in private. So when he manifests publicly, you're like, I know that, I know that, I know that. Why? Because it's happened to me a million times in private. You can't just spend time with him in public and then expect to see mighty and, and, and amazing moves of God that you can distinctly recognize. John the Baptist, it said that when Jesus came walking to John the Baptist, John said, I have seen with discernment. He said, I've seen with discernment, which means he could have missed the son of God. That doesn't mean Jesus was walking up and had a huge halo around him and everything. No, he was a man. And of course, we, we could tell Jesus out of a crowd because we've got how many paintings and pictures that were like, that's Jesus. That's Je-. You know, you see somebody in Sam's that has like long hair and a beard and you're like, yo, you look like somebody I know. You look like Jesus. John didn't have that to go off of. And John said, I have seen with discernment. And he said, behold, the lamb of God. And he got on his knees and he said, I am not worthy to even untie your sandals. What kind of a man is that? For him to get on his knees and say, I am not worthy to baptize you, to untie your sandals. And Jesus looked at him and he said, get up. You are going to baptize me. Jesus wants to baptize you today. He wants to baptize, not you physically, he wants to baptize you internally. There are things in us that need to die and worship is a purification process. So when leave here and you're only singing songs because you're like, wow, this song really lends itself to my current situation. That's not a bad thing, but that's not why we worship. We don't worship to get us out of situations. We worship to get ourselves into the throne room to exalt him and to lift him high because that's what they're doing in heaven. And I need to understand and we need to understand that if there are creatures and elders and there's another passage in here that says that there are myriads, which myriads are, are 10,000 upon 10,000. And it says that there are myriads of myriads of angels surrounding Jesus. Some theologians believe that there is upwards of 110 million angels that surround his throne. And all moments of all day, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're surrounded by him every second. And we can literally take him and reduce him to a 27 minute worship set and say, I've gotten all the Jesus I need. No way. With those angels looking at him, constantly bawling their eyes out because he's so glorious and they're always in that place. We need to be brought to a renewed love. We need to be brought to a purification of the bride. We're walking down the aisle and with each step you take, are you gaining confidence in the new one that you're about to commit your life to? Or with each step, are you experiencing more hesitation? And are you worried on what he's gonna think? Does he think I look pretty? No, I'm sure when you walk down the aisle, wives, when you walk down the aisle, you had confidence in knowing I am beautiful because he sees me and says, you are beautiful. I'm sure he probably didn't see you and was like, F- ooh, no way. If you saw that and saw that on his face, that very moment, I guarantee you, she probably would have turned around and been like, hmm, this is a mistake. No, Jesus is at the end of the altar and he wants to take the bride's hand and he wants to be joined in merry matrimony. He needs all of us to be purified because he is saying, I will not marry someone that does not look like me each and every day. Are you looking more like him? Or when you go to your work, do you change who you are a little bit? When you go to the grocery store, do you begin to cower and kind of shy away from people? I know that God is releasing a new level of boldness on each and every person in this place that when we walk to the gas station, when we go to the grocery store, when we go to vote, when we go to all these other places, we don't shy away because in Instead, we're going to be so in love with Jesus that people will come up to us and our Christianity is not going to be something for us saying, I'm a Christian. Instead, people are going to come up and say, there's something different about you. And you're going to say, yeah, I've been sitting at the feet of the king for hours and it's amazing. That's where we need to live. Your home is wherever his feet are. Your home is not wherever you physically live. I had to remind myself this when we traveled full time. Because sometimes you go to California and it's like, yeah, Kelly. And then you go to Minnesota and you're like, oh, no. You got to remind yourself here. You're like, no matter where I am, as long as his feet are there for me to sit at, that's where I'm going to be. That's home. To live lives like Mary of Bethany, to where we take our alabaster jar and like the 24 elders who took their crowns, and we need to take the most valuable things that we have and say, You know what, God, spouse it's not more important than you. Family, it's not more important than you. Job, it's not more important than you. Material things, they're not more important to you. Community is not more important than you. And I throw it at your feet and I say, it's nothing to me because you're all I need. You're all I want. And when you do that, God will bless it. Mary's alabaster jar wasn't wasted at the feet of Jesus. Judas didn't have eyes of discernment. So he saw, wow, we really could have used that. Thanks for taking all of that money basically and throwing it at the feet of Jesus. But Jesus was marked. And now every time we read of Mary of Bethany, who do we know her as? The one who anointed his feet. There are things that you can do that will mark his heart to where I believe when you stand before him, he's going to say, Phil, the one who looked at everything he had and said, I'll give it all and I'll travel for your name. He's going to stand before him and he's going to say, Larry, you were the one that took what I put in your hands and you threw it at my feet and you said, you mean more to me than anything that's in my hands. He's going to look back at you He's going to say, Kim, you were faithful as a mother. You were faithful as a wife. You were faithful in how you served and how you loved people and how you showed people how to worship me. That's That marks him. He doesn't forget. He remembers. And we need to look to revelation. We need to look to these points of, of how to worship him, how to come before him, how to minister to his heart, because when we recognize how to do that, we'll actually enter in with boldness. And I think there's a lot of people that are entering church buildings with boldness, but if they had to enter his presence, like, have you ever met somebody that they come into church and you're like, man, it's like they walk in and they own the place, you know? It's like, man, I wish I had that confidence. You know, like they just, they're friends with everybody. But then when you ask them to pray, they're like, oh, um, uh, Jesus, thank you. It's because why they're, they're, they're confident to come into a building but when they have to come before his presence, it's a little bit different. We need to come boldly into his presence. Boldly into his presence. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna wrap things up here. Um, yeah, let's just, let's, let's, go, let's go before the Lord. Let's, let's all close our eyes. Um, we're gonna go before him. And this is special. This is really special. Uh, what's, What's happened this morning, just in worship, just in the ministry of healing, there's power in testimony. There's power in testimony. So if God did a work in you this morning, if God healed you of anything, and there's no doubt in my mind that he did heal this morning, the only way, well, let me say it this way. You have been given a testimony for a reason. It's the power of a testimony just by you sharing the faithfulness of God will lead people to be like, wow, he did that. He can do it for me. He did that for Laurie. He did that for Steve. He can do it for me. Once again, um, we're we're not sharing this stuff to try and, um, if you've heard it a million times, you need to hear it a million more times. Jesus doesn't get old. And so Father, we come before you As humble servants, we come before you as sons and daughters and we sit at your feet. Jesus, you are worth it all. You're worthy of it all. You're in all. You're all in all. You're why we breathe. You're why we move. You're why we have what we have. And Jesus, if there's anything that has us more than it needs to, we throw it at your feet and we say, that it is nothing compared to you. It is nothing compared to you. Holy Spirit, make us more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, make us more like Jesus. Yeah, repeat that after me. Say, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we long for. That's what we hunger for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.